Hello and welcome into the Section 109 podcast. This is a weird place to be recording a podcast, Matthew. We're in a uh, very official suite. I don't think I've ever recorded a podcast in a hotel room before. and uh, Nor one this nice, for sure. Definitely not this nice. But we are here with a very special guest, and let's not uh, beat around the bush. Let's get straight to it. We are here with Mr., and I should have asked this before, but John, is it John Pruch? Very good. I, if, if I read it Pruch, or I was, I was afraid that was wrong, and it was, so John, John Pruch. Just a quick story about that. When I first, <laughs> met, first met my wife, we were in college, and, and uh, so she was going to send me a note, and the only way she could think of how to spell my last name was Pruch. And we joke about that to this day. She still, when she spells my name, our name, her name, she's, <laughs> she, she thinks Pruch. I mean, so. you know, whatever keeps you spelling it right. I mean, if you misspell your own name, which, you know, a few of us have done a few times, you know. I, st- I still don't know how to spell your name, to be fair. Uh, I mean, that's why everyone calls me Breezy. Um, also, he learned on air on the podcast that my name wasn't actually Andrew Breezy. It's Andrew Breezy. Um, yeah, yeah, that happened. We, we were friends for a couple years before that, too. So, you know, yeah, we're, no- we're good friends, apparently. Yeah. Well, now that we know the names. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> for those who might not know, um, John is the commissioner of the National Independent Soccer Association, the league that Chattanooga Football Club plays in. And if you're not a CFC fan and you're listening to this, uh, I'm not sure quite how you got here, but welcome. Uh, we're in the also strap in strap in. We are in the midst of a crazy tournament uh, coming up on the 25th. A CFC will play Detroit City Football Club in the final for a berth, potential berth in the playoffs at the end of the spring, which is fascinating. But we're not here for an on-the-field review necessarily. We're actually going to talk, like we often do, uh, about anything, our, anything other any, than soccer. Anything other than soccer. So, um, if we could go back to the beginning of your soccer journey, right? I don't know when that starts, um, but I, you know, it doesn't start as a kid. Like, kind of, where does that start for you? Uh, it started for me when um, my wife signed me up to be a park, red co- park rec coach for my daughter. Um, I was a little upset. I didn't know anything about the game. And so I started taking classes. One thing leads to another, and I ended up coaching travel soccer for all three of my kids when, uh, through their teens. And um, after that, um, I, I was in love with the game. How so, long? How long ago was that? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> about about about, six, about five years five years ago, I believe. Yeah, just a couple yeah, years ago. Five years like. ago. But you didn't you didn't grow up playing, or I did not. I was a traditional jock and uh, played baseball and football and you know basketball. Ah, uh, see, I I came up as a as a baseball fan mostly, and I, I mean I liked football. I liked I liked everything but soccer essentially, and then I discovered soccer as an adult in college. And then I've started actually playing as an adult, which is very weird. Um, but yeah, I, I, so I kind of resonate with the finding something later in life and then it becoming, I mean, I guess at this point, your job. Yeah, it is today. Um, so if, if I go back a little bit um, in, in business in the late 90s, I was, doing a, um, I was doing a lot of investment banking, distressed work and one of the transactions that I was involved in, with was Umbro. And so I ended up having to um, uh, be active in, the, in, in, in Umbro, and they owned a big chunk of USL back in the day. And so I was on the, the board of USL. Um, wow. Yeah, I got to see uh, soccer from that side. <laughs> and, um, um, it, and I will tell you that I made up my mind that 
from that first board meeting that um, there was a better way in this country. That that's at the start of it. Wow. And so I, I bet that really shaped, and I'm guessing here, so you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it really shaped how you would, you know, go about governing, quote unquote, a league, right? Mm. Yeah. And what the league should be about. You know, it's not about money. It's about soccer. And unfortunately, I didn't feel that way when I was there. And so it, it really had an impact on me. And then I, I you know, uh, wasn't involved with soccer from a business perspective um, until we did a couple deals in, um, in the UK. We were involved with a balance sheet restructuring at Sheffield Wednesday. We were involved with um, the Glasgow Rangers when they were in, in um, administration, as they call it over there. Oh, wow. Bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we did. Um, and then here in the States, we were doing quite a bit. And we did a couple MLS uh, transactions, um, major league baseball transactions. We did a couple transactions with the Yankees. Um, we were, um, we did the, um, it came close to getting the Marlins deal, but Derek Jeter read us out and we were representing the Romney family. And so, oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, but along the way, um, you know, there was this little league called NASL out there. And, um, so we, um, put together some, some clubs to go into NASL and this uh, time frame is probably about 2016. And, um, so it was, uh, 1904, we were advising Demba Ba and his group, um, uh, Cal United. So Pete and Bronwyn Capriati, and then Peter Wilt was going to do a Chicago club. And, um, <clears throat> Things really, uh, what we, so initially, um, it looked like all three clubs were going to get involved and then things started happening within NASL. And so we made a last ditch effort, um, Peter Wilt and I to uh, club nine and Peter to, um, put together a division. Um, you know, NASL was division two and MPSL and UPSL were down here, and we thought, well, what we ought to do is really put in a pro league here between them so we can do some pro rel. Um, we couldn't get either league to do it. Yeah. It was pretty simple, right? Now, this so. was this the, I think around 2017, mm. this was the original NISA project. Correct. Because Chattanooga was on that list. Uh, what became Ford Madison was on that list. That's correct. Although I think it was in a different city at the time. Yeah. Uh, and, and there were a couple of others. Yeah. Uh, What's interesting, just real quick, if yeah, I could. Yeah. So w- we weren't getting anywhere. We, we left. Uh, Peter and I were on a plane from Orlando back to Chicago. So w- Peter and I decided that at that moment, yeah, nobody wants to do this. We're going to do it ourselves. And so... Um, it was Peter became our, our client and at Club Nine, and so we went about putting together various clubs and saying we want to create an open system. Chattanooga was one of them at the time, um, and Peter brought in his business partner uh, Jack Cummins, uh, who was an attorney. So I, I think it was 2018. Um, we're in Philadelphia uh, at the coaches convention and we had a big meeting with clubs and you know it was trying to pull together eight clubs for a brand new concept was not easy and so uh, we left there I flew back with Jack and and Jack was having some some health issues yeah R.I.P. Jack yeah spoiler alert yeah two weeks later he passed 
Um, then, um, uh, Peter, um, you know, that can help, but, you know, take the wind out of your sails a bit. Of course. Plus it was such a battle. I mean, it was, every day was a battle. This team was thinking about leaving or going USL or, you know, and so you try and grab them or pull back another one. Plus U.S. soccer was oh, a huge hurdle. <laughs> Skeptical at best. Yeah. And so we, uh, so, uh, so Peter uh, had an opportunity with forward Madison and I said, go, right? So I looked around at, at um, my partners inside of uh, Club Nine and said, what are we going to do? Right? If not us, then who? And if not now, when? Because if we don't do it, no one's going to do this. This that, will die. And, and that was the year that, that everything kind of changed in, in lower division soccer. That's correct. And, and thank you, by the way. You know, it's, there, it, it would be really, really hard to see CFC and, in the professional ranks right now. Um, it, it, it's not impossible, right? But you don't know what other realities hold. But I, I, it'd be, I would struggle to see them in USL. Um, at least not, not yet. You know, it's interesting. I made a comment last night to uh, one of the prospective teams coming in that in the fall we're going to have 300 professional athletes. Where would those guys be without Nisa, yeah. right? Some of them would be playing, maybe. Yeah. Some would be playing amateur, but a lot, most of them are following their passion right now because Nisa exists, and that's why we're here. Also, would, would, would uh, League One in USL exist if Nisa didn't exist? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but like, maybe, maybe it wouldn't exist. I suspect you're right. It wouldn't. Uh, it was, or at least a, not yet. Yeah, it was in a reaction to what we were trying to do. Uh, I think they thought uh, that they could beat us at the game, and um, so why give up that t- those territories? And so we'll go get them. And then um, you know, when they came into Chattanooga, I think they thought for sure CFC was going to die. Um, and so, uh, and then what their plan, plan I think was, was well, we'll then convert them to championship clubs, right? Yeah. Well, and I, obviously they're, if Nice is the better model, which I think everyone in this room believes they are, uh, that's a existential threat to, you know, the, the other league, like USL is a league for profit owned by a separate entity, not owned by the clubs. So they are directly a threat to their business model and to their pocketbooks. I mean, it's not, I don't think that's conspiratorial or weird to say, like, it's just, that's the reality of it. It is the reality. So if you look at um, what's just happened here recently with the Super League, right? And, yeah. Um, they were trying to take Americanize, quote unquote, right? <laughs> um, you know, the major clubs over there, all, all that all was, um, it was as a grab for money and power. And, and a bailout to Real Madrid. Yeah. It's true. I mean, yeah, getting but, getting a bunch of getting access to American capital, but also with no risk, right? Because there's no risk of relegation correct. for those big clubs. Yeah, and not sharing the money, and right? and them controlling all of it, not sharing it with the rest of the pyramid. That's correct. The pyra- the the pandemic this past year, you know, the Premier League had to share a lot more money than they wanted to, and. And I think they were saying, no more. Why should we share? Well, the Premier League exists because they didn't want to share money. They (laughs) currently are sharing more money than they want to, but they would be sharing a lot less if they had a choice. And they should, some might argue they should be sharing a lot more. And the only reason they're not is because they did some form of this back in 1992. That's correct. That's exactly right. 
And so if you look at it and, you know, the independent clubs and, and the open system won the day pretty quickly. But I will tell you that war is not over. It's no. coming, they're going to come back. There's too much money at stake for them not to come back to this, whether it's a year or five years, whenever they'll come back. So then you come back to the States and you go, well, uh, we have the same thing here in soccer. Sure. It's yeah. called MLS and USL. And some of the same people that were cheering on uh, those independent clubs and the open system over there are the ones that are supporting MLS and USL here. I don't get it. I mean, it's a, you know, uh, it's such an irony to me. But I'm telling you, if uh, the closed system wins the day, only the major markets in this country will have soccer. And it'll be controlled by, pardon the expression, but elitists. People that can totally. write out big checks. What we're here to do is we're a disruptor to the status quo. And what our intent is, is to create a complete independent club pyramid, uh, open system in this country. And to say it's not easy would be a, a drastic understatement. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's I, really I, difficult. I think, I think going back to, uh, Going back to 2019, the, the the fall showcase that happened, you have you know us, Detroit, Cosmos, uh, kind of et cetera, all entering at once, uh, and we and we took the field in 2020 for our pr- first pro season with still only eight teams uh, because we already had churn, and and that I I can't imagine. I mean, you know, Steve's sitting next to us here, and he's bald, and yeah. I imagine part of that was a result of, of of about that that eighteen month stretch. Well, I had some uh, dark hair back then too, so, it, you know, I, I was uh, I was not the original commissioner, um, and I was asked to come in in June of nineteen. Um, a couple months later, we we're due to hit the pitch. And I got to know what was going on pretty well. And um, I made a comment um, to the board, which they didn't like. We're not ready to play, right? Um, we had a couple of clubs that were, were going to struggle. And, of course, Philadelphia um, didn't make it through the season. So um, Brian Malekian and I made a trip to Philadelphia to negotiate the contracts and place those players elsewhere. And then Atlanta uh, turned out to be a, a, um, a complete train wreck. So um, we, we uh, and then Miami FC decides, you know what, there's greener pastures over here. And um, uh, that was truly the definition of irony. Here they are mm-hmm. having a suing, loss, yes, suing <laughs> FIFA and FIFA court or suing, you know, over the, the, the whole program. For the casting, yeah. 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 And oh, are you kidding me? You know, uh, so, yeah, so we were down three. And then Chattanooga and, and I forgot Michigan Stars is, yeah. is the other one. That's right. Um, so talking about like Nisa and, and year one versus year two, I mean, I realize this is technically year three, right? What are some things um, just that maybe you, you're looking forward to doing differently? Things that, you know, maybe they didn't go as well or they just didn't come off as big as you were hoping. So because of the pandemic, we were forced to, to do a bubble tournament in Detroit and then one here because we weren't really sure, um, uh, you know, how, how many states would allow fans or even allow venues to open up this spring. So I think going forward, um, we're going to be single table. 
uh, we're going to be like the rest of the world. And, and, um, hell yeah. Um, and so you'll start seeing that in the fall and then in the spring, our, our season is fall spring. And so, um, we're going to, um, add a couple of teams in the spring, uh, to get up to around 14, 15 clubs. And then we're locked and then we'll add teams once a year in the fall. But we're going forward. We're going to be a single table, uh, moving forward. That's very, very good, I think, because um, I think the single table is, is most fair on the competitive balance. You know, we talked about the Super League and, and them wanting to uh, control all the revenues and not have the entrance into that league based on sporting merit. It's hard to argue um, sporting merit when not everybody plays everybody. Of course, we have playoffs in the U.S., right? That's probably not going to change. I mean, that there's a certain added fund to that. Or is that going to change? Or I guess that is a better question. Yeah, so I think, you know, there's uh, the boardroom's kind of split on this, right? They, they, you know, we're Americans, we like playoffs. And so if you took the top four on the table and said that, um, you know, eventually, you know, you're going to have a playoff between those four and the top three go up, you know. Uh, so, you know, that's undecided at this point. So, but playoffs are not off the table just yet. So we'll see. Yeah. But, but the majority, I mean, like, I, I think... If I if I'm hearing this correctly, even if there are going to be playoffs, the single table is what what matters. Like we're not going to have 14 teams and seven teams get into the playoffs. Like it's going to be even like a limited number of of playoff teams to truly reward a regular season. And I would tell you my my preference would just be a, a straight table, a single table. Top three go up, you know, bottom three go down. Sure. <clears throat> Which. Good. takes us into pro rel a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah, um, you you walked right right into that. Yeah, one. yeah, and 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 Nisa Nation and and building a an, a pyramid, which you said. That's correct. So it, it, recently, we, I think two weeks ago, we had a, an announcement with uh, EPSL. Uh, we have about three hundred and fifty amateur clubs um, uh, sitting under as a foundation for this pyramid, and that number is going to continue to grow. There are a lot of new affiliations over this next year that'll come into play. But EPSL is a pretty significant one, right? They've got a lot of amateur clubs at various levels below them. So we've worked through the system with them to create a, from the bottom up, ProRel, all the way through the amateur system, and to Nisa Nation. Nisa Nation will kick off in the fall, and it's a full-year amateur league. One of the things that we have found is that amateur clubs, when they come up, uh, Chattanooga and Detroit are the exception. Uh, they, they're not ready to play a full year. They don't have the staff to play it. They don't have the finances to play it. By the I, way, I, I, don't, would, I would argue that Chattanooga and Detroit weren't ready used, either. used 2019 as that kind of full season mm. move okay. first. I th- and it was, I think it was massively beneficial in terms of like that transition year, getting, getting everyone as a club, supporters even, into this is what a full season looks like. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, well, I agree that the Chattanooga and, and Detroit certainly did it better than most amateur clubs do. Uh, they, they struggled less. You know, they've been more of a professional environment. I think Chattanooga and Detroit struggled a lot. Um, and I think you saw it a little bit last year. It just happened to be a really short year, so it didn't come out as much. But, I mean, you look at, we turned over an entire roster, for example. When you go from amateur to pro and you turn over an entire roster, you know, you go to, you know, you keep four or eight guys and you're used to keeping 16 or 18 guys. That's massive. And then, like you said, front office staff, I mean, we hired, we basically quadrupled the front office and it's probably still one of the smaller front offices, um, 
or a smaller front office in the professional game. And I think that, in my opinion, from CFC's perspective, and I'm not speaking for CFC, but my perspective of CFC, I think that we're lucky that things went as well as they did. And I think that adjustment super hard. So that full season amateur would have been so helpful. And like Matt said, we did do kind of that on accident in 2019. And so that helped, but that full season amateur, that's an incubator for clubs. Yeah, it, it, it truly is an incubator. And so if you, if you can imagine down the road, um, you know, right now it'll be an incubator and, oh, that club's ready, that club's ready, but the rest aren't right. So, um, and I think there's a every I think every club that plays in Nissan Nation um, has that desire to go pro. Um, not all of them will do it though, because it, they'll realize when they're in Nissan Nation, wow, wow, this is this is a big pull. Um, but eventually, we're going to do pro rel into the pros, and we have our work cut out for us. On we have to change professional league standards, yeah. to be able to like truly do. Truly like do. if you win, if you win the thing, you move up. Uh, not like you know, we got to go find some money for you somewhere. Um, which yeah, is, it's going to be a real challenge um, uh, uh, because um, right now the U.S. Soccer Board is controlled by you know the status quo, and so um, you know we scare people, right? And I think the the more stability we create and and sustainability, um, it it does scare people right and so i think us making the move last year during the pandemic to go out and sign up these uh, amateur affiliations no one saw it coming and everybody on the status quo said what the heck is going on here and uh, so i think um and and for us that creates long-term stability it builds the foundation it creates sustainability and so for us, it's, it, it was a natural. It was always part of our plan, and so was Nissan Nation. And so we decided, um, pandemic be damned. We're going to continue moving forward. Another thing you did in the middle of the pandemic was start the Independent Cup, right? Which has been one of the coolest things, I think, that I never saw coming. Like, pro rail you see coming, right? We're all hoping that happens. The Independent Cup wasn't a thing that ever crossed my radar. What was the genesis of that? So it was, it was in our plan, you know, our five-year plan. We kind of gauge ourselves against that. And it was probably year three that we were going to do that. Um, and there were hurdles to overcome, right? Um, everybody in the industry would tell you that's in the industry, oh, you can't do that, right? There's no insurance to cover amateur clubs playing professional clubs. And I kept asking, well, the U.S. Open Cup does it, so why can't somebody else, Right. And if you guys remember back when CFC was playing in the Members' Cup, you know, that, w- that w- w- was an issue. It's a giant issue. Yeah. <laughs> so I challenged our staff to fix the problem. And um, uh, within a month, they had it fixed. They figured out the insurance. And so I said, okay. Um, and we had developed some very strict um, COVID protocol. We got a sponsor to provide testing, and we said, hey, let's do it now. And it was, um, you know, we started off with um, 15 clubs in four regions, and it was great. Bobcats played really well, and, you know, so it was, it was a great experience. And, and I, this year is going to, we have a big release coming out uh, soon about this year's, and it's 
growing significantly. And you'll see some very familiar amateur clubs on there, uh, some clubs that should have played in the U.S. Open Cup but couldn't. So they're going to play in the Independent Cup. So obviously you have a five-year plan for the league. Do you have a five-year plan for the Independent Cup? Do you see it as something bigger than a preseason tournament? Um, it will, uh, yeah, yes, <laughs> but we'll leave it at that. Okay. Fair. Can I, uh, can I, can I take this opportunity in my, in, I think probably most listeners know this, but you guys, I don't think would in my day job, I'm a lobbyist. Uh, so I'm going to just why he's so swarmy. Uh, we, we could use you. So I, I, I want to use this opportunity to advocate for something that I think would be cool. Uh, in 2019, was was when the league started, I think the first game was called the Nisa Challenge Cup. And nothing's been done with it since then. So this is my proposing with a captive audience. The winner of Nisa plays the winner of the Independent Cup in the first match of the season uh, to kick off, like put a charity partner behind it, make it like the, like the FA Community Shield. First of all, you got a great memory. I'm not too sure uh, too many people remember the Challenge Cup. The idea behind the Challenge Cup, and it is coming back, but I like your idea, actually. Um, Matt's feeling very proud of himself right now. I've got, <laughs> I've got plenty more, so careful. <laughs> you don't encourage him too and, much. Uh, yeah, quit while you're ahead. I think uh, the, int- the intent behind the Challenge Cup, and, and, it, it, and ha- we haven't come back with it yet, but the intent was to promote derbies right? Detroit City versus Michigan, LA versus Cal United. And so, um, and New Amsterdam versus Cosmos, but the pandemic got in the way. And so, you know, we kind of, whether we call it the Challenge Cup or we save that for the, you know, winner of the Independent Cup versus um, uh, NISA champion, we'll see. But uh, we do want to promote those derbies um, you know, because that, it's one of the things that separates us from the closed system, right? We can have two clubs in the same town yeah. going at each other, uh, which is really cool. So so my follow-up would be save the Challenge Cup for kind of like, you know, the first game of the season and then and then kind of take a, a cue from, from college football or college basketball and do a kind of a rivalry week or a derby week. Where every every game that weekend, if if there is a, a potential derby, everyone gets every every derby gets scheduled that weekend. So a little ooh. derby showcase. Yeah. That's, so that's so that is on the that. drawing board. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> that's a that could be really fun. It could be pretty cool. And we are um, what we're waiting is for the, the the number of derbies to grow. And I think you're going to see with the applications that come in over the next few months that those, the number of derbies, close, you know, um, derbies are going to increase. And we are purposely doing that, right, so that um, so we can create that environment. And people are going to go to us, well, what the hell are you doing putting, you know, two clubs in that market, right? And because Why not? Why not? As long as they can support it. Like, That's right. And it, and, it, and it doesn't have to be, you know, a, a two clubs in one market. It could be, you know, close-ish. That's correct. Drives. That's correct. One of That's the coolest exactly things about, right. about when, we were, when we were playing in the NPSL is we could drive to Knoxville. We could go to a couple clubs in Atlanta, into Huntsville. Uh, Birmingham, Birmingham, Memphis, you know, Asheville. And, and I'm not just saying that because there, there's currently a lack of, of immediate surrounding, uh, you know, clubs around in Nisa now around Chattanooga, but like that, that was a, that was a selling point of 
of making making trips fun for the supporters. Uh, it, it was recognizable names for fans, just like casual fans city, to yeah, come city and names, see. yeah, um, yeah. And and so I, I mean, like I love that. And if you want to throw one that's close to us back in there, for yeah, soon, so we'd appreciate it too. So it, you know, one of the things that's been a priority to us um, is we've got certain gaps in the country, right? And uh, you know, um, Southeast is 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 a gap, right? We thought Atlanta and Chattanooga could be a, a great rivalry and we'll see what's ha- going to happen. They're developing a stadium and we'll see. Um, but there are some other markets, right? And, and Stumptown was important to us because we think that the Matthews market, especially with the troubles that the independents are having right now was a great market to save. And, and so we think that that's going to develop. I think uh, Rod Underwood and, and his, his team did a great job this week. Holy they looked, cow. They looked good. They looked really good. Matt called me from the stadium and he goes, they're playing a diamond with a holding midfielder and a number nine. This is drunk. It and when the, Matthew it was, says it's drunk, he's it was, so it was happy. Was he box. was so happy. He is such a good coach, and he's a better person. He really is a great guy. And that, that club didn't have any friendlies. They were pulled together late. Um, I, I, I'm not, if I'm in Nisa, I'm not going to go want to go play them mid-May or late May. I think they're really going to be. That's Sosa kid. Mm. Yeah, mm. good player. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I texted Matt uh, from the stadium when he was doing his lobbying in Nashville, and I was like, "Who is the kid with the floppy hair uh, for Stumptown?" And then he was like, "I think his last name is Sos." Anyway, I googled him. That kid can play. Yeah, he came up through one of our, our club's academies. He came up through the LA Academy. Oh, wow! In LA is a great story. Um, Bob, a number of years ago, Bob Friedland. Um, He's really good in business, but his passion is soccer, and so he created this uh, academies for boys and girls, and all these clubs, over ninety youth clubs for inner city kids. And look yeah, at him now, and he and he covers it. And then they have in you know an MPSL, USL two team, and a WPSL team. Last year, um, you know, he had, he he had a kid in in Detroit. Steve, what was his name? I can't. I, I miss his name. That kid that w- went in the first round to LAFC. Danny Trejo. Thank you. That kid was a player, and and uh, this class, you know, and and he what he does is he he brings in a couple of veterans to help these kids, and he brings them up through the academy, gives them exposure. He's got kids in Europe. He's got kids all over, and. The kid, the kid Eric Hernandez, because uh, obviously we we played them in our in our first match of the tournament. The kid Eric Hernandez, number eleven, is a very baller. good, yeah, very good. totally Absolute agree. Baller. And he's seventeen. Total seventeen. I was just going to add that. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's incredible. When I found out he was seventeen, I was like, oh my, <laughs> yeah, that kid. That kid. You know, you never know, right? Like in sports, yeah. guys, some guys peak early, but he sure looks like he's going to be something special. Yeah, I think he is going to be something special. He's he's something else. Let's uh let's transition gears a little bit. Um, move away from from Nisa, and and let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a quick hitter at you. Do you or did you growing up have any nicknames? Big transition here. Uh, I'm gonna have to decline to answer. <laughs> <laughs> that That's was fair. that was possibly the most diplomatic thing I've heard this week. And have you been in Nashville this week? Yes. 
Um, so I'll, I'll give you a quarantine question. What did you do with, I mean, it sounds like maybe you didn't have any free time during the quarantine, but w- did you pick up any new habits, new skills? You know, a lot of people started cooking or started becoming Zoom experts. You know, did you pick up anything new during the quarantine? Zoom experts, that's, that's, that's classic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not always a nice thing, but... <laughs> So, uh, no, I, I picked up cooking, um, after the, I quit coaching my kids, um, my schedule is pretty hectic. And so, but I had to have a hobby, terrible at golf, don't have time for it. So I took up cooking. And so I, uh, uh, kind of perfected that during, uh, COVID, right? You can't, can't go, go out. out to eat. So you might as well, you know, have totally. some good food in. Now I'm now I'm to the point where my wife Debbie goes. Um, if we go out to dinner now, if it isn't as good as what we could have at home, why are we doing this? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. It's a good well, point. Spoiler alert: That's going to answer a question we have. Uh, I think a little bit later on here. Did you pick? Did you watch any new Netflix or TV during the quarantine? You know, Tiger King went crazy. Didn't watch it. I didn't either. By the way, yeah, I, I heard. I heard it was. Either. I heard it was great, though. I could not. You could. I couldn't miss it. I actually just started Game of Thrones. That's how behind I am. Uh, so, if you could do things, um, if was there anything different? Uh, sometimes we ask questions on this show that I really like, which are like, if you could have done something different during quarantine, you know, if you're like, man, I wish I had, you know, done. I wish I would have learned to whatever. Picked up the ukulele. I don't know. So do you have a, a particular wish you would have done during quarantine? If my wife were here, she'd say, I wish she hadn't worked so much. Because <laughs> and Steve can attest to this. It, there was really no downtime. I mean, it takes. Sure. To pull this tournament off takes months of planning, and it was it was it was difficult. Yeah, I, I I can tell that a lot of work went into this. I mean that in the best possible way. The broadcast has been spectacular. You know, all over town, you're seeing banners and and people. You know, knowing that there's something going on. It, it's it's very very cool and very well put together. So I mean, kudos to you guys and your staff. You've really put together you. excellent excellent tournament. Um, I have some more rapid fire questions uh, that may be a little out of left field, but that's uh, kind of, I guess, kind of the point of them, right? Uh, jean jackets. Do you have a strong opinion? Yay or nay on jean jackets? Uh, I, I, it doesn't bother me, but uh, I don't look good in them. So we're not going to see you in a double denim Canadian tuxedo? Mm, probably not. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Uh, do you drink coffee? I do. How do you take your coffee? Cream and sugar. Okay. Well... I'm judging you a little bit. Matthew drinks his like an old newspaper reporter, black and about 16 cups in a row. Uh, how do you feel about pineapple on pizza? The most sensitive question of this podcast. Uh, no, thanks. Yes. Makes me so sad. That is a tiebreaker. I'm so sad. So sad. Boom. Um, best Chicago pizza spot. You're in, you're based in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, that's correct. Um, so I can't wait for the road trip. So this is a very completely self-serving question. I, I'm going to say something that's going to piss off a lot of people in Chicago, but I, I Chicago style, I can, you know. I mean, I like I like casserole, right? Wow. All right. What's the best pizza in Chicago? <laughs> even if it's not, even if it's not Chicago pizza, uh, is there a New York style joint that we can no, really piss there, everybody there's off? A, there's a thin crust. I, I prefer thin crust. And so, yeah, we have our favorite little place, and it's a little quaint little place that we go to, Woodfire Pizza. Woodfire Pizza, all right. Okay. Um, seltzer versus beer, if you got to pick between the two of them. The seltzer craze is, uh, is raging now. Uh, neither. All right, fair. <laughs> you're, you're a wine guy. Classy That's man. That's correct. Classy man. Um, 
if you had a boat and you might have one, but what would you name your boat if you had one? I don't and I won't. But it's fair. It's fair. I'm trying to buy a boat, which I know is a terrible decision, uh, but... I'm really curious about what you're going to name that. So if, if if he buys a boat, you're the you're the luckiest guy in the world because the idea is always to have a good friend that has a boat. Yes. Yeah. We're yeah. I know it's a waste of money. Believe me, I've already lost money trying to buy a boat. Until <laughs> it's, it's a long story. It's been it's already been a saga. Um, best purchase you've made in the last year that's a hundred dollars or less. So you know that could be a electric shaver, it could be a journal, it could be headphones, it could be a neck pillow. Um, yeah, I would say. Um, uh, probably a journal. Yeah. I, uh, I also got a journal and I, I love it. No, it, looking at me with a neck pillow. I got, my brother-in-law got me a neck pillow that sits on the side <laughs> and it is spectacular. Will change. It changed my flying life. I, uh, it was, inc- and I assume it was less than a hundred bucks. It was a neck pillow. Um, so in, and obviously we've established you don't have a lot of free time, uh, in your free time, do you work out? This uh, is going somewhere. Again, according to my wife, not enough. Um, but <laughs> I try to, yeah, I, I do. Do you have a particular type of workout that you like? Or you just got a, a go to the gym, lift weights type of thing? Yeah. Lift weights, you know, do a lot of walking. I have a dog, great dog. Nice. What kind of dog? Yellow lab. Plenty of energy. Plenty of energy. When you're, if you're working out at the gym or you're doing something like that, do you listen to music or podcasts or something? Or are you a, uh, want to hear your he- feet hitting the pavement kind of guy? Well, there's two things I like to listen to my own voice. So I, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, uh, after tomorrow, you may be able to catch your own voice in your ears. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, okay, fair, fair. Um, do you have any, and this, I'm get, I'll get through most of these, but, uh, do you have any particular soccer superstitions? And it's perfectly fine if you don't, but I, I know a lot of coaches and players have soccer superstitions, right? How they dress, never leaving the touchline or never staying on the touchline, you know, et cetera, et cetera. No, I don't. Better for you. <laughs> Better for you. Um, do you have a favorite pregame or postgame celebratory meal? For example, when you were coaching or if you've just thrown a big tournament, you know, a way you maybe reward yourself to feel good? Well, first of all, I'd have to cook it. Right. <laughs> okay. And that takes time. By that time, the celebration's over. So That's fair. I really don't have a particular meal that I I uh, would say, oh, it's a good time for that. What is what is your favorite thing to cook? Um, I would say that my style is um, uh, country, French, country, Italian. So kind of rustic, so not, you know, so refined, but... Mm. Nice. That's pretty good. So when we're when we come up for the uh for no. the, the CFC <laughs> Chicago Chicago house game already shot down. Well we'll we'll email for a, a restaurant recommendation. <laughs> that's that's cool. And Steve will take you out for beers. Deal. Perfect. Deal. We we could handle that. Matthew, do you want to translate to our uh, or excuse me, transition to our teammate related? Yeah, question. so so we ask a lot of questions uh, you know to the guys about uh Various teammate related stuff. So, so this will count for for kind of employees employees of NISA. Uh, so, first one in your in your in your best guess because I'm I'm not sure this has ever happened before. Who would be fastest in a foot race in the NISA front office? Well, first of all, it wouldn't be me. Um, <laughs> but I think it would be between Josh and Steve. That'd be a hell of a race. Nah. Simon, really? 
Simon's I mean, gonna, I don't. Simon's hey, Simon, if you're listening, I, I don't mean to diss you, but no, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, so I so the the spoiler alert question was uh, that we had was who was the best cook or chef? But I, I think I think we've already answered that one. Uh, does anyone give you a, a run for your money? Do you know? In the front office. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We don't. We don't talk about it. I mean, if I ask a casual question around the office, people look at me strange. So, so I, we'll leave that one alone. Okay. That's fair. Who's the uh, on on? You guys have obviously done a lot of Zoom calls over the last year. More more than more than probably you want to uh, even remember. Which league employee is the funniest on Zoom in particular? Oh, that's Josh. Um, he, he, he is, he's a character. <laughs> he's really good. He's head of expansion and he's really good at what he does, but he is one funny SOB. And when he and Steve are on the same zoom, zoom, uh, no work gets done. So. <laughs> so they're not, they're, they're conveniently scheduled on different zooms. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, now, uh, you, you work with a couple family members. I do. Uh, uh, I think both your kids. That's correct. So kind of a, a, a general, please don't go into any specifics or anything, but when you work with family, how do you, how do you sometimes like turn off family related stuff at work? And, and then like also vice versa, turning off. How, how do you turn fam- how do you turn family, keep family time from being work time? Yeah. So I was fortunate because uh, I coached my, my kids. And so, I made it very clear to them early on in their lives that when we're on the pitch, I'm your coach. When I'm off the pitch, I'm your father. Uh, and that it carries over into business. It, it works out really well. I mean, we, I mean, Josh and I and Sam and I, we'll, we'll go at it in business. But, you know, if we're having dinner together, it's, you know, doesn't impact. I think they learned that early on, that there was there were two sides to their old man. So. That's good. Yeah, it's uh, it, we added that question here because I, I know I've worked with family in the past, and it's it's interesting how those dynamics can you know you, you really have to be really disciplined about it. So it's curious how someone in a successful environment has done it. Um, so in another more I guess serious question as well, advice for anyone listening to this podcast on overcoming adversity. Right, you've had a long professional career, not just doing this. This is you know maybe even. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what you want to call this in, in your like professional journey. This is whether this is the um, crowning achievement or, or not even close. I don't even know. That's that's up to you. But um, you've obviously done a lot of really impressive things. But obviously, when you're doing big things, you're going to have adversity. You're going to have setbacks. You know how? What what's your advice? I guess for those who are looking at how to overcome adversity, how to overcome setbacks. So, um, in investment banking, uh, which is where I. I um, um, have been trained. Uh, there are a lot of setbacks. You know, I mentioned the Marlins earlier. I mean, that was a devastating loss. But at the end of the day, it, it's about character and it's about picking yourself up, dusting yourself off, and getting on with it. If you truly love what you're doing, and I do, um, and um, you have a setback, you don't quit. You don't let it stop you. Just keep going. Um, and every now and then, you know, people in the pandemic cause this a lot and recessions cause it, but people start losing their, their dream and they lose hope. And so, but if you get the right advisor in there, you know, to help you save things that 
that can turn your, your life around. And that goes to, to everybody just in everyday life, right? We, we all have insecurities that can pop up from time to time, and especially if you're going through a difficult time. And it's important, you know, to overcome those, right? And just think positive and, and move forward. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, couple more. Have you done anything fun in Chattanooga? I know you've been very, very busy. Have you got a chance to see any of the city at all? Uh, no, I haven't. It really, I've uh, been to the public house a couple times for uh, a meal, and it was really good. I enjoyed yeah. it. Uh, but no, I haven't. I haven't been able to get to look out or anything. When when uh, when the tournament's over and you can come back in for a weekend, come in for a game, uh, then you know hit a, hit us up and hit the club up, and we'll give we'll you show some you, recommendations. We'll show you yeah, but. I will take you up on that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, the, by the way, it's a beautiful community. Um, it is, and it's a shining example of what can happen in NISA. Right, that a community of this size can have a professional club. And uh, it really, really that w- was one of the main reasons we wanted to do it here. I mean, there were a lot of reasons, right? The owner is the mayor, right? I mean, what the <laughs> hell? Yeah. That doesn't happen every day. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Something we haven't talked about yet on this podcast. Got, got, spoiler got, alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah, he got, he got, he got to throw his mayoral uh, victory thing at a, at a bubble game, which was pretty awesome. <laughs> That's right. I looked. I looked over, and he was coming down the stairs, and I was like, "Oh, hey, Tim. Hey, Mayor." <laughs> it's true, um, but you know, and and the staff here, uh, the venue, uh, it was. Um, but it really, the real reason is we wanted to show off Chattanooga. We wanted to show off to the rest of the country that you don't have to be Chicago or New York to have a professional club. At uh, if Chattanooga can do this, and they do it right. Anybody can do this. Totally. I think that's that's really the uh, that that should be the the goal of independent soccer. And and it sounds like that that's your goal, and that's all very much aligned with how I look at independent soccer. But you want all cities to be striving, just like you described Nisa Nation, for professional soccer. And not everyone's going to get it, and that's okay. Not that there's some sporting merit there, right? There's some merit in how hard you work and, and can you find that special sauce, that lightning in a bottle? Um, and we saw in the documentary a few times, you know, you and also Tim Kelly talking about, you know, what makes Chattanooga special. Um, and Tim likes to say lightning, catch, capturing lightning in a bottle. But I don't think that explains all of it either. I think as you pointed out, having a well-run club, having a community that really embraces it, um, you know, there's something special there that certainly is hard to quantify, but it's not just luck, right? Lightning in a bottle seems to denote luck in my mind, and I don't think it's just luck. I, yeah, I, uh, it took uh, Tim, uh, Tim 10 years of luck, right? So, yeah. I mean, it is a lot of hard work, but it can be done. I Absolutely. Mean, um, you know, I know that um, a few years ago, uh, a commissioner of another league kind of said, you know, pro Ral, why would we want to go to Chattanooga and play? <laughs> We got so, a really nice defo out of that. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's, it's um, um, and my re- in response to that would be, why wouldn't you? Right? Are you afraid? Right? I mean, one of his teams did come down and tie us the next year in preseason. So he might, he might should have been a, he might should have been <laughs> should afraid. Have been a little afraid. <laughs> um, is, so as we move towards wrapping up here, and thank you again, you've been really generous with your time. Uh, is there anything, um, our listeners, number one, do you have any asks of our listeners? And then number two, kind of what, what can they, expect what should they be looking out for um as we come out of this uh this tournament and nisa moves into the regular season what kind of stuff should they be watching for and then of course if they can do anything if if there's something you haven't asked of them uh, what might that be 
So my call to action would be to come to the game on Sunday. Uh, it's supposed to be beautiful weather. It was great planning on our part. Rain you guys on did Saturday. <laughs> well done. Listen, until you guys came to town, it's been it was eighteen months without rain on a game day. That's no that's no lie. So and we haven't had a terrible weather day. Knock on some wood here somewhere. I don't care about podcast noise. Um, Sunday looks beautiful. Yeah, so that would be my call to action. I think um, uh, the rest of the season, we're going to have the home and away uh, portion, which is going to be fun. Um, and I think we're going to see some clubs develop. I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think Stumptown will, will uh, um, very well coached. I think they're going to they're going to end up surprising some people. I think 1904 came and played pretty well in this tournament, and I, I think that they're going to play well uh, during the home and away portion. So. You know, we'll see what happens. But then I think, uh, you know, the champion of this plays the champion of this, you know, the home and away portion in Detroit. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a game. And then July 3rd, the championship, right, in Detroit. Assuming we can have fans, I assume the Northern Guard might show up for that. <laughs> and that could be pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'm, I mean, selfishly, I'm hoping we're we're up there uh, spoiling their day as uh as I, as I hope the storybook is written to do. Matthew, do you have anything left? Uh, if there is if there is one thing, uh, and and maybe just one thing that that's on further on the horizon, maybe maybe summer or or, or fall, is there something that we should be looking out for? Uh, broadly speaking, don't have to give any any, any of the trade secrets away. Uh, that that our listeners can be looking forward to something maybe kind of new coming down the pike. Well, I think the new thing in the fall is going to be the single table, and that'll be followed up in the spring. And the way we'll probably work next year is there'll be a, a fall first place and a second place in the fall, and then we're adding teams in the spring. So we'll be first place and second place in the spring. Those four teams will play for the championship of the season. And then after that, it's just straight table, full season. Okay. Um, I think if we have a tournament um, and we're starting to get some pressure, I made a comment on a podcast, this will be our last tournament, so we call it the Legends Cup. <laughs> but we are getting some uh, some pressure, which is good. People love the format. They love the, the preseason idea. tournament's fun, man. I know. Or I didn't think it was going to be this fun. Preseason. Yeah. Or, I mean, qu- yeah. non regular season? I don't know. Th- this tournament's fun. So, one of the things we could do, you know, is. And not saying we will, but it could be something that happens, which is, you know, we'll take a break in the winter. You know, things are nice in Arizona and Florida that time of year. You never know. So that would be very cool. Maybe, maybe toss a, ch- a challenge cup in there somewhere. He's yeah, never. Like, like a proper lobbyist, he never forgets. <laughs> he, he never forgets. Well, Commissioner Pooch, thank you again for your time. Is, is there anywhere that uh, people can follow you? I don't know if you're a social media kind of guy, but it's. I'm not. So they can follow the league social media. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, I think if I started reading all the stuff about me out there, I would uh, crawl in the hole. So I know. Well, I, I, I think that uh, the less time anybody spends on social media, and I try to follow that in my life as I'm uh, mostly off of social media right now, uh, the, I think the happier you are. Not, not fully. Not, this is not, that's not blanket across the board. But the less you're uh, interacting on social media, I think the better you feel. But Matthew, if the people want to yell at you on social media, maybe about your bad takes, about your Challenge Cup idea. All my takes are good for the record. But if you want to say uh, how good they are, you can find me on Instagram at I am Coniglio. And you can find me on Twitter at whiskey is fine. Thank you everybody for joining us. See you on Sunday.